0: I'm Raelle Bell and I'm Liz Ware and you're listening to That's Brilliant, a podcast by the American Lighting Association. So Liz, today we have a very exciting guest, someone that we have been itching to get on the podcast since we started because he is, I don't know about you, but one of the smartest people that I personally know.
1: Oh, absolutely agreed. Yes. And he's a guest today, but just a little behind-the-scenes secret, he has come up with so many of the topics for our podcast and helped us kind of define what to talk about and who to talk to about it. He's really one of the producers of the podcast. Yeah, we
0: would be nowhere <laughs> if we <laughs> didn't have him to help us come up with topics. And, and he has the connections. He Absolutely. knows the people. Mm-hmm. We're trying. We're emailing people trying to get them send Terry in, and they reply. Done. That's it. Send, <laughs> Terry's our secret weapon. <laughs> so Terry McGowan is the director of engineering at ALA. But before
1: then, he worked for more than sixty years at GE Lighting at Neela Park. So he's been an a lighting engineer for longer than. My mother's been alive. Oh, not quite, but
0: still, he's been a lighting engineer for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> and it it shows because he, like we said, is always aware of what topics are up and coming, what our members need to know. And that is kind of what we're diving into today. Terry has a list of some things that he feels are presenting great market opportunities for our membership and are things that consumers are going to be really interested in in the coming years. And he's going to discuss what those things are and why they're important and how our members can stay up to date with these topics.
1: And these aren't pie in the sky, complicated, you know, the technology is 10 years out kind of ideas. These are simple things that we can do now. It's just about educating our members and consumers about little tweaks that will improve their lighting significantly.
0: Yes. And as you'll hear, some of these things are related to topics we've discussed in past episodes. So in a way, this could almost be our first episode. So if if this is the first time you're listening... It's really a great time to tune in and then you can go back and get more details on on these topics in previous episodes. And we're totally going to put those other episodes
1: in the show notes. So, <laughs> so you can get bigger, fuller
0: discussions on all of these topics that we are just going to touch on today. That's right. So before we dive in, we would like to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Kitchler, Lighting, and Hinckley. Welcome, Terry. We're so glad to have you today.
2: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And I've uh, been enjoying your previous episodes, so it's a real honor to be involved.
0: Thank you. It's an honor for us to have you finally as a guest. I know we have used you as a resource in our previous episodes, but it's exciting to have you here as a guest today to answer some of our questions.
2: Uh, I appreciate that opportunity. And of course, uh, there are technical questions and that's what it's all about.
0: So,
1: Terry, we were thinking of doing a tech roundup. So what topics would you like to give us a, a, a quick update on?
2: Well, there's lots going on. And here we are in the, in the residential lighting industry, kind of emerging from uh, COVID. And lots of things have been left undone. And there are new challenges to think about and new opportunities. We're kind of feeling our way a little bit but there are some very important technical changes that have taken place while we've been busy elsewhere and trying to keep healthy. And some of those have to do, in fact, with health and wellness. Uh, who knew that lighting is so important uh, when it comes to human health? But I guess it shouldn't be any surprise. I mean, we humans have been on the earth for quite a few years now. And <laughs> Without light, we would not be here, (laughs) that is for sure. And electric light has a role to play. And that role can be good and bad. So we ought to talk a little bit about that because it does represent opportunities for ALA and its members. There is a certain kind of light, like we can't see in this case, we call it germicidal or ultraviolet uh, light. And we have learned during COVID that it, it kills bacteria, it kills viruses, and it's very good at that. Uh, And it can also harm people, or it can be pretty quiescent and not bother them at all. So we have to learn the tricks of that. And who better than manufacturers and lighting designers who understand how light works. This stuff works the same way, except sometimes it's invisible. Mm
1: -hmm. Terry, let's just dive into that one for a minute. So during COVID, we all saw these ads on the internet everywhere for these germicidal UV light things that you could clean your phone with or clean whatever with. And tell us about those. Are those effective? Are they safe? Are they either one or the other?
2: Uh, well, no, they're, they're the, the cheap way out, the easy way out. Uh, only the manufacturer makes money in, in most respects because you really don't know what you're doing when you try to use ultraviolet to kill bacteria or viruses Uh, You have to have a certain intensity of the light, and you have to have a certain time so it gets a dose, gets zapped. And if you're just waving it over, let's say, a a tabletop or something that you want to disinfect, how do you know how long to hold it there or how fast to move your hand? You don't. And so you don't know what you're doing. And it, it makes a nice, pretty blue glow, but that's about it. We really don't know or can't prove that it's really doing the job that we want.
1: There are other places, though, that UV light is useful, places where you can lock it away from human eyes and really have a strong blast of it. So so there are applications for this.
2: Oh, that's right. Yes. And traditionally, one of the best applications has been to put the UV lights into the air conditioning system so that it's down in the furnace or fan cabinet somewhere and the lights are on. they cannot be seen, they can't damage anybody's eyes, but as soon as the air crosses the, the tube or bulb that's generating the UV, everything in that air is, is killed, any living thing, virus or whatever. So that's been the traditional way of applying them. And often uh, UV germicidal light has been applied by heating and cooling people, not lighting people. But that's changed now because one, we've learned more about UV, and we know there are some wavelengths that are safer than others so that they will not harm your eyes or skin. Uh, there are also ways of course, that you can uh, disinfect a, a space by disinfecting the air in a different way than running it through a pipe. And our ceiling fan manufacturers at ALA have applied that idea. They have built uh, UV germicidal into ceiling fans and that light is directed up toward the ceiling and so the air movement caused by the fan blades moves the air right by those UV sources. The sources kill the bacteria, the germs, uh, viruses in the air and that air circulates in the room. So you can you can essentially have rooms with ceiling fans and UV germicidal applications that are like air outdoors, germ-free, very safe, very fresh, and that can be done by installing a ceiling fan in a small bedroom, if you wish.
0: So, how do manufacturers measure this and determine that that is working? And how can consumers be sure that what they're purchasing is safe and effective?
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> uh, the, the idea, of course, is to, is to use name brands and to get good advice. And like always, uh, it's the quality of the manufacturer that counts. You're almost guaranteed if it's if it's fairly cheap and simple and very lax in instructions, uh, it's not going to do the job. And with something like this, you have two things you want to happen. One is you want to be safe, so you don't damage eyes or skin or or anything uh, like a painting on the wall because UV can do that, mm. uh, fade the wallpaper. That that's not a good idea either. Uh, yet still be effective. So that requires some thought and that's why some expert advice is available. And uh, our members, our ALA members are are very good at that. So they have read some of the material, it's online, it's uh, been put out by uh, yourselves. As a matter of fact, we have some on Mm -hmm. our web pages. So there are ways to find this out and apply it properly. And I hope we've got all the cautions in there. We've worked hard at that and we can have something that's both safe and effective.
0: Yeah. So we'll put some links to that in the show notes here. And like you said, it's available on the ALALighting.com website. Um, But this is really a tremendous opportunity for showrooms because more than ever, it is important that an expert who's trained and knows what they're talking about is walking people through this product selection process.
2: Yes, and and those showrooms that reach out into sometimes the commercial area, for example, restaurants and hospitality spaces, this is an ideal application for UV germicidal because you get crowds of people and you get air that doesn't circulate fast enough probably. So uh, putting uh, ceiling fans in with UV generating uh, devices on them really can make that kind of place much safer from an infection standpoint. And I would expect, you know, if it gets to be routine, it's going to go beyond COVID. It's going to go to the common cold and the flu that circulates so much of the year in certain areas. We're just going to be healthier and less subject to getting infected in these public spaces if we, if we apply these products. So it, it could be a very nice blessing in disguise that helps us through some pretty tough times that we just don't need to have happen anymore.
0: Yeah, that's really exciting. So let's circle back a little bit to what you mentioned prior to uh, the UV germicidal topic and general lighting and health. So this, that's a lighting and health topic. This is something a little bit different. This is circling back to episode one that we did with circadian rhythms and, and overall health and wellness. Um, So what is up and coming with that? What should uh, people be aware of there?
2: Well, we, we got the basics, we got the science, we got the research. Uh, by the way, I should say that research is not new. We have been researching that subject now for more than 25 years and we know a lot about it. And it, it's more than time to put it into practice, if you will. Uh, so that means how do we build it into the lighting of our homes? And what we found out as we did that first podcast and talked with researchers is what what we need are some lighting fixtures that have the characteristics so that they can provide that light when people need it, as much as people need it, of the right character and exposure. It's a dose thing again. So we have to build some new lighting fixtures that will take that all into account. That's a problem. It's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity because we don't have lighting fixtures like that. For home lighting at the present time. And we can cobble things together, but we really need to get serious about the numbers so we know we're doing it right.
1: As a reminder, for those who haven't heard episode one yet, the basic idea is people evolved with bright days and dark nights, and we need to have bright light during the day and low levels of light at night for all sorts of health reasons.
2: Absolutely correct. And, you know, it's, it's kind of common sense, but It's something that we forget because we sometimes work at different shifts. We work long days. We uh, get up at night with the kids and don't get back to sleep. There's all kinds of things that interrupt that rhythm, circadian rhythm, as it's called. And so we have to do our best to keep that rhythm on track. We know it makes us feel better. We know it makes us healthier. And we know psychologically it is the right thing to do because it, it improves the quality of life. So we have a tool, and that tool is the lighting in our homes, and if we adjust it properly, if we use the right fixture, if we are in the space and and it does its job, it is going to happen. And uh, things like the smart home controls and dimmers and other things that can be used to supplement it or even make it automatic so it kind of goes through its own day-night schedule by itself. Uh, All those things can be used as a tool to really improve the uh, sleep habits and the health of anybody in that house.
0: So let's touch on what you're working on right now with ALA Manufacturers and the Light and Health Research Center to develop these products.
2: Yeah, we have a program called Better Light, Better Sleep. And uh, we have partnered with the Light and Health Research Center at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Uh, because they have the research center there uh, and have have done a lot of the research themselves, the researchers who are involved over the years in in developing this whole idea. a a simple way to say it is they put numbers on what we thought was happening. They have verified that with research and that research is continuing. Um, There will be at the end of June, in fact, a major research paper released that will talk about how that research and improving the lighting that people are exposed to in a hospital recovery room can speed up their recovery. And of course mean fewer, fewer hours or fewer days in the recovery room in the hospital. So that's a big deal. But mm-hmm. what we're talking about really is, is home lighting. How can we adjust home lighting? How can we buy and install and design home lighting So that it follows that pattern and reminds us: hey, this is a time when you should have bright lighting. You should be outside, or if you're inside, the light should be bright enough to entrain that circadian rhythm. And in the evening, as the sun goes down, the light should get dimmer. It could change color if that's what you like. But all of this says, hey, it's time to slow down, it's time to get relaxed, it's time to think about sleep. And that sleep is going to be a healthy sleep because your circadian rhythms are in good place.
0: I love both of these topics because it positions ALA members and especially ALA showroom sales representatives and uh, to be in a place to almost be like little lighting scientists. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's is, it is so much common sense too. I don't find it a hard sell. In other words, when I talk to people and say, you know, bright days and dark nights, people understand that. And if you have lighting in your home that kind of goes through that phase, it, it becomes a very natural thing. And uh, it's not easy to do in some homes. You know, people sometimes have, have, well, let's say a very big, bright television screen that could interfere with that. How do you handle that? What do you do to uh, make it easier? Some people will. Also, say well, my sleep habits aren't the same, you know, I like to stay up late and get up uh, late and that sort of thing. Well, that's a different kind of circadian rhythm, but you still have one. And the healthier you can make it, the more sleep you can get, a good quality, the better your health will be.
1: This wasn't in the rundown, but I'm going to throw this out here and see if it see if it stays in the stays in the episode. While we're talking about kind of simple solutions to problems that are also market opportunities, that are also just ways of aligning better with, with the environment. Can we talk just for a second about outdoor lighting and specifically avoiding light pollution?
2: Yes. And it's also something that, I don't know, some ALA members will probably remember. We, we met in, in Tucson, Arizona, some years ago for the annual conference, and it was a great conference And uh, the organizers, and I I wasn't aware of this at the time, I was fairly new with ALA, Uh, they had set up uh, some telescopes in the hotel, on on the patio, and we had a star party. And this was wonderful because Tucson has had very good dark sky lighting and street lights and signs and so forth for years. It's been mandated by law. They've got Thirteen observatories sitting up on Kitt Peak, not very far out of town. They need dark skies, and so Kit, uh, so Tucson is and Kitt Peak work together to make that happen. So you're there, and you're there in Tucson. You're looking up at the skies, and in, from your hotel patio, you can see the stars. You can see mm-hmm. the Milky Way. And by the way, eighty percent of the people in the U.S. today cannot see the Milky Way. Their sky is too bright. Mm-hmm. So. This was marvelous and we had a great time that evening and I've never forgot it simply because I know and I'm a long time member of the International Dark Sky Association. So I know we can do good lighting. And to me, dark sky lighting is simply good quality lighting and that's what ALA is all about, better quality lighting. And so we have to practice that in terms of the fixture design and the application of the fixture the hours it's on and all of those good things so we keep light where it wants and needs to be and avoid putting it up into the sky where it doesn't do anything except cause light pollution and light the underside of airplanes um, it's it's really just good lighting practice and quality lighting done by experts who know what they're doing and, and that's why i think it's such a good fit for ala
0: this year, Hinckley is celebrating a century of style. That's 100 years in business. Hinkley is proud to be a fourth-generation family company with the mission of providing customers with exceptional lighting and ceiling fan products. They understand the passion their customers feel for their homes and are dedicated to helping them realize their vision. Learn more about the company, including some incredible charity work they do, at Hinkley.com. Kitchler Lighting is more than
1: just a lighting company. They're a bring people together company focused on strengthening and growing relationships. They're constantly innovating, creating on trend designs, and delivering high quality product. Learn more and find inspiration and ideas at Kitchler.com.
0: Another topic that you had mentioned was connected homes, which I think is interesting because as we talk through, all three of these areas we just discussed, home automation and connected products play an important role in bringing those to market. So I think earlier you mentioned that you feel like maybe there's not even enough emphasis and discussion going on about connected homes. Why do you think that is?
2: Uh, Yeah, well, one, because if you're in the lighting business, it's kind of fun to see this happening. And it's really putting lighting into another dimension. And that dimension... Well, looking at one direction, for example, it's energy saving. So you can save energy by operating your lighting when you need it and why you need it. So that can be done by smart lighting products. Two, electric utilities are going to be increasingly very interested in what you do with connected lighting and other connected products in the home, appliances and heating and cooling and all of that. So if you integrate that with what the utility programs are beginning to do, and this is happening already in some new home developments and multifamily housing, we're not seeing it in, in individual homes so much, but it will come, uh, then the utility gets involved and you get rebates on your electric bill if you allow the utility to do certain things like limit the power in your home for a period of time if they're overloaded, that kind of thing, to avoid blackouts. Uh, you can also take advantage by timing. So you might want to heat the water at night when the utility rates are lower. That's just something you could program into the system. Or you may decide to put your home on some kind of a lighting cycle or appliance cycle that takes advantage of the time of day or the how hot it is outside. There's lots of things you can do. There, there was one study that was done recently at the University of California, and it involved three smart home products. One was a thermostat. The second one was a smart ceiling fan. Many of our ALE members are involved with those of course. And three is the air conditioning in a home. And there were dozens of homes that were studied in various parts of the country. And they gathered data with this in mind, that on a hot day before your air conditioning comes on, let's switch on the fan and see what happens. So they did, they programmed the system. So the ceiling fans came on, turns out people felt comfortable. And then as it got hotter, the HVAC kicked in, ceiling fan kept running. And then after this was all over, they analyzed the data. They said, yeah, we can reduce our energy in this home and not compromise the comfort of the individuals if we do it carefully this way by moving the air first and then turning on the compressor and all the heavy-duty electrical stuff in the air conditioning system. And what they found was really amazing. Not only was energy saved, but 80% of the people said they felt more comfortable in the home. Mm. So, you know, here is an inexpensive ceiling fan, an inexpensive thermostat, and and they're leveraging all of this energy that would ordinarily be used by the cooling system and making it all work. And that's a system, you know, that really good is beneficial because it does two things it saves money it saves an energy and it makes people feel better so what's not to like you know this this ought to be standard practice
0: we actually had a brownout uh yesterday in our neighborhood everyone's posting because it's so hot here Mm. (laughs) and i wrote a little in our little neighborhood facebook group i wrote a note and i said hey remember not to uh run your dryer in the middle of the afternoon exactly as right. I've been guilty of. I'm not saying I've never done it. <laughs> it. It was a little reminder. I don't think a lot of people think about strain on the grid that that puts.
2: Yeah, that's right. And that's, that's kind of off to the side because people, people like to have fun right now with, with connected devices. And the lighting is of course, an obvious one because you can make it flash and change color and, and turn on the lights from your car as you come home <laughs> and turn them on from your helmet hotel room if you want to make the kids crazy and you know <laughs> when you're away on a trip uh, but there's all these things you can do with lighting but when you get serious about it it really is an effective tool we've never had it before uh, you know we we could turn the lights on if we're off to france and walking through the Louvre museum, museum. Uh, it, it's it's that kind of a, a reach that now these smart products have given us so uh, if we use it carefully and if, if we use it in a really positive way, it's going to give us healthy lighting for one, it's going to reduce our electric bill. it's going to add to the convenience. And think about this. you know remember years ago there used to be this commercial on TV that showed uh, a rather old older woman clapping her hands. You know what the clap. Ah. <laughs> that was the first smart lighting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm old enough to remember that <laughs> and,
2: and that's the only thing i could do <laughs> on or off but now we have so much more and and we're really beginning to you know feel the oats here that, that we can do so much more with it and what can we do that this will be a time of when we find that out as more people get familiar with these lighting products and put them together in systems and connect different parts of their home and program them for different individuals I think it's going to be interesting, and I think our manufacturers as well as our showroom people and and lighting designers are going to have fun. It's a new dimension in, in what they do to make lighting better, and again, it's that whole issue of lighting quality. We can improve lighting quality and satisfaction by taking advantage of the smart home ideas with lighting and appliances and everything else.
1: Well, and these are sort of simple ideas and, and you're right. Everyone was so excited about smart home because they, they went out and they got LED light bulbs that they could make different colors. And that was kind of a toy for a while. But they're the longer we have them and the, the more they work together and the more time we have to really figure out what all the possibilities are, the more we'll be able to use them for really useful, really pragmatic things.
2: Yes, that's right. And we'll find out what's essential. For example, we we worked with uh, an organization called Kaba a few years ago and got a report. I think many of our ALA members took advantage of that. But one thing that Kaba report said, and it was very loud and clear, it said, for residential, people love voice control. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to do things with lighting and the smart home, we almost always now make the ones i get involved with anyway always make voice control a part of the deal because it's so much easier to say dim the lights and brighten up or turn the porch light on this kind of thing. Uh, I have to tell you a side story here. I I just bought a new electric bicycle hmm. and it is voice controlled. So how is
1: how is your bicycle voice controlled?
2: <laughs> uh, don't ask me, but it was advertised that <laughs> I got I took the bait and I said, you know, voice control is the thing. And this bicycle is voice control. I can say uh, stop or shut down or more power or any other. You know, it's got a vocabulary. It isn't very smart, but it's smart <laughs> enough so that I have a bicycle now that responds to commands. And it will also tell me that it's heard. It will give a little noise in response. <laughs> and, and when I shut it off at night, it, it always says, see ya.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, so there are a couple of really simple opportunities and they really are opportunities. There are there are simple things we can do to sleep better by having brighter light during the day or uh, dark at night and controlling our appliances to to keep things to use less energy and stay comfortable. And and it's a it's a win win. So thank you. Thank you for telling us about it
0: all of these provide excellent opportunities for our manufacturers for our showrooms and for consumers and i'm so glad that we were able to run through some of them and discuss what's up and coming and what people should be paying attention to right now thank you so much terry thanks for coming on the podcast terry see ya a bike that can talk to you it's so very star trek i'm i think i love it <laughs> I'm on the fence. I have to see it. Maybe, (laughs) maybe I can go visit Terry sometime and check it (laughs) out. (laughs) So that was a lot. There were a lot of topics covered there, but it kind of had a, an overarching theme to it that connects it all. And in a way that's connected homes and connected products, but it's also like we said, the market opportunities that these are presenting. And they're not too complicated.
1: I mean, darks, the outdoor lighting that points the light down instead of up the air conditioner that can talk to the ceiling fan. That's a little bit more complicated, but just the simple idea of coordinating the things that cool you off so that you're not wasting a bunch of energy. That's it's, it's kind of a no brainer.
0: And it's so cool to be in this industry right now where all of these Ideas are being developed, and new products are coming out of it. I, I remember when I started working in the lighting industry, and we were all kind of talking about how cool LEDs are, which is still an evolving and interesting mm-hmm. topic as well. But this is even more exciting and and more futuristic, and I love it. And keep an eye out for a special episode live from Lightovation. Well, sort of live. It will be Liz and I on the floor of Lightovation which is the Dallas International Lighting Show talking to experts about the latest and greatest topics and trends. It'll be a sort of different format for us, so we hope you enjoy it. And this is just going to be an extra
1: bonus episode. So we are still interested in hearing from you about the topics you're most interested in for the regular run of podcasts. So please email us at podcast at alalighting.com to comment on what you heard today or what you heard last month or what you'd
0: like to hear next month. Yes, we would love to hear from you. And again, we would like to thank our sponsors of this podcast. We are so grateful for their support. We could not do this without them. Hinkley and Kitchler Lighting. So next time you hear from us, we'll be coming from Lightovation. And until then, stay brilliant.